Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 13, and we, of course, are continuing our journey with Jesus as we continue on through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse. This morning, we did not take a break from the Gospel of Luke, but we did take a break from the chronology for a little bit. Uh, we went back to Luke chapter 8, and there was a passage of Scripture that I had skipped there when we were in Luke 8, and I wanted to save it for our anniversary Sunday. And uh, so tonight, we're back on track, right, at Luke chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse number 10, right where we left off uh, last uh, on Wednesday night. And tonight, we're going to see a story of a woman who was bound by Satan for 18 years. If you notice there in Luke chapter 13 and verse 10, I'll try to go as quickly as we can tonight. I know that it's been a long weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to not, I'll do my best to not preach super long tonight. Luke 13 and verse 10, the Bible says, and he, referring to Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now, I want you to notice just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, for the, those of you that are note takers and you like to take notes, um, as far as I can tell, this is the last time we see the Lord Jesus Christ in one of the synagogues in the Gospels. This is his last appearance in a synagogue, and the Bible tells us that he was teaching. He is there as a teacher. He's in a position of teaching uh, on the synagogues in the Sabbath day. And when we look at this story tonight of this woman being healed, of course, kind of like we talked about this morning, there are different characters to the story. And the first character I want you to notice is the woman. In verse 11, we are introduced to this character. The Bible says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. I want you to notice that the Bible tells us here in verse 11 that she was bowed down. She was having this physical ailment. Notice there again in verse 11, it says, uh, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She'd had this for 18 years and was bowed together. You say, what does that mean? She physically, uh, her body was uh, crippled or deformed uh, to such the way that her body literally was bent over. And she had been like this for uh, 18 years, the Bible tells us. And if you really think about what she had to deal with, with this ailment, uh, I mean, this was obviously something that would be extremely uh, inconvenient. I'm sure it was painful. I'm sure it made her life very difficult. I mean, literally, when the Bible says she was bowed together, I mean, she was literally just bent over, the Bible tells us, for 18 years. And of course, we know that there are uh, physical reasons why this might happen uh, due to certain diseases and sicknesses that people can get um, in their spine. But this is what this woman had. She was bowed down physically uh, as a result of, of this sickness. But what I want you to notice and what I want you to understand is that she was bowed down physically, but the Bible tells us that she was actually bound spiritually. In verse 11, notice it again, the Bible says, and behold, there was a woman which had, notice these words, a spirit of infirmity. She had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise... That, that little phrase there, no wise, means not at all or in any way. 
could in no wise lift up herself. Skip down to verse number 16 in the same chapter. Notice what it says about this infirmity that she has. Luke 13 and verse 16. And ought not this woman, this is Jesus speaking after he's already healed her. He says, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. Notice how Jesus describes her ailment. He says, whom Satan hath bound. The word bound means to fasten, to tie down. He says, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And if you're taking notes tonight, you can uh, write down the first heading is, is that of the woman. We see the woman, but I'd like you to understand a couple of things about this woman. She was bowed down because she was bound. And what I mean by that is that her physical ailment was a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem. She had a spirit of infirmity. She was bound, Jesus tells us, by Satan for 18 years. She was tied down and fastened by the Lord, uh, by, by, excuse me, not the Lord Jesus Christ, by Satan, but it manifested itself in a physical way. And I'm not necessarily preaching on, on, on what I'm about to say right now, but we, we've dealt with this recently, and I've mentioned this before. In the Bible, you'll find that when Jesus would sometimes heal people, oftentimes he would heal them, and it was a physical healing. He, someone was blind or deaf, or they could not walk, and he would physically heal their body uh, to make it have that ability to be able to see or hear or to speak or to walk. But sometimes Jesus would quote-unquote, heal somebody who was deaf or blind or had some sort of ailment, and he would not heal their physical body. He would actually cast out a devil because they were possessed by a devil that was causing them to not be able to see or hear. So sometimes the Bible tells us that there are physical ailments that can be the result of someone being demon-possessed. Now, please understand this. I'm not saying that everyone who has a physical ailment is possessed by a devil. I'm telling you that as you look at the Bible, you see these several options. Sometimes people are sick because their bodies are falling apart and they're sick. But sometimes people are sick because of a, a, a devil, a demon possessing them. But I want you to notice in this story, this is a little unique in the sense that she's not possessed by a devil, and that becomes clear in the story, and I'll point that out to you when we get there, but she is bound by Satan. She's bound by Satan as a result of, and as a result of that, she's physically bound. She, she was bowed down, which was a physical manifestation of the fact that she was bound, which is a spiritual problem. This woman had a physical condition that was a reflection of a spiritual condition. Her physical place and position was a reflection of what was happening to her uh, spiritually. And here's the point that I want to make and the application that I'd like to draw in regards to this woman, and it is this. If our physical conditions, I'm talking about you and me here tonight, Verity Baptist Church, the, I'm not sure how many, 180 people that are here tonight. If our physical condition manifested. You say, what does that mean? The word manifest means to clearly portray, to clearly show. Because see, what's unique about this story is that this woman had this physical condition for 18 years. The Bible tells you to bow down. I mean, think about living your life this way. 
Think about how, how inconvenient, how maybe humiliating at times to not be able to lift yourself up, to not be able to, to look at the pain that it would cause. She, for 18 years, physically, her body reflected a spiritual uh, a problem in her life. She was bound down by Satan. But the question I have for you and the question I have for me tonight is this. That's not, that may not be true of you and I. You say, I, I'm, I'm physically fine. I can walk. I'm, I can sit upright. I'm, I'm able to do these things. Great. Praise the Lord for that. But let me just ask you this. What if our physical condition was a manifestation of our spiritual condition? I wonder for how many of us would it be apparent that we are bowed down as a result of being bound by Satan and bound by sin. And I don't say this, please understand this, I don't say this uh, to, to, to mock anybody that has a, a physical uh, uh, problem or to mock this woman. I, I hope you understand uh, the maturity level in which I'm saying this, but what, I, what I'm saying is this, I wonder if God did for us, if God allowed for us what he allowed for this woman, which is for our bodies to have a physical manifestation in regards to what's happening in our hearts spiritually, I wonder how many of us would be bowed down, would be crippled. I mean, I wonder how many of us, and here's what I'm asking, if we could see you, see, I can see you physically, you and I live in this physical world, but if I could see you spiritually, if I could see your spiritual life, how many of us would we see bowed down? How many of us would we see handicapped? How many of us would we see, I mean, you look fine now, but what I'm telling you is, you ought to consider, what does your spirit look like? Because this woman had a disadvantage in the sense that her physical body reflected what was happening spiritually. You have an advantage that your physical body may not do that. But the question is, if we could see you spiritually, would we see you like this? What's wrong with you? It's my pride. My, my pride does this. I mean, would you would be like, what's wrong with you? I'm extremely covetous. I mean, you, you say, well, there's nothing wrong with me physically. I understand that. But what if there was a physical manifestation of what's happening in your heart? Would you be bowed down by drugs, alcohol, selfishness, greed, dishonesty? See, her problem was a permanent problem. She had it for 18 years, and she could not do anything about it. The Bible says that she could in no wise lift up herself. She was used to it. She was used to living this way. And I think after 18 years, I think after 18 years, she wasn't even trying to get it fixed. And here's, here's all I'm saying. Today's our... Family and Friend Day, it's 12-year anniversary. My wife and I are celebrating 12 years of ministry, 12 years that we have served as a pastor and as a pastor's wife. And you know what I've learned over the last 12 years of ministry is that most people are crooked. In fact, I would take it far enough to say all people are crooked. What I've learned over 18 years of ministry is that every single person in this room, with an extremely rare exception, if, if any exception, has some sort of boundness, deformity, issue, overtaking, sin issue in their life. And you have to ask yourself, what is it? 
What is the one thing you don't see? Because here's what's interesting to me about this, this, this woman. Now, she gets healed and praise God for it. But I want you to notice what, what's interesting to me is this, that the Bible tells us in Luke 13 and verse 10 that he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues. By this time in Jesus' ministry, he's a well-known figure. This is not the first time we see him in a synagogue. This is the last time we see him in the synagogue. In fact, if you remember back in Luke chapter 4, the first time we saw Jesus in the synagogue, he stood up and he opened the Bible to the book of Isaiah and he read a passage of scripture in which he said that he was there, that the Messiah was coming to loosen those that were bound. And he said, today is the scripture fulfilled in your eyes. And then he left the synagogue and he went out, the Bible tells us, doing good. He went out healing people. He went out uh, helping people. He went out uh, causing people that were deaf and blind uh, to be able to see. And here's what's interesting to me is that this woman is there in the synagogue. Verse 10, she's there. Jesus is there. He was teaching in the synagogue. Verse 11 tells us there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity. But what's interesting to me is that in verse 12, the Bible tells us that Jesus reached out to her. She didn't reach out to him. And I find that interesting. Because here you have the Lord Jesus Christ. The fame of him has gone throughout the whole land. People know who he is. People know what he can do. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I just think that if I was physically bound for 18 years, and I was happened to be at the synagogue the day that Jesus was the guest speaker, you'd think you'd go to him and say, hey, can you help me? But yet this woman didn't. You say, why? I think because she'd lived with him for 18 years. I think she had lived with this condition for so long, she maybe no longer even noticed him. I mean, this woman had been walking amongst these people for 18 years, and it was just, this is who she is. It got to the point where people did not even notice it was just who she was. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I understand that sometimes people have uh, ailments that cause you to just, we shouldn't look at them as different or anything like that. But I'm telling you this, this woman was in a room where the Lord Jesus Christ was right there. I mean, he was right there, and he could heal you, and he could help you, and she's not even asking. And you say, that's odd. Do 12 years as a pastor and you'll find it's not that odd. People come to a church like this. They sit in the chairs you're sitting right now with spiritually, spiritually being bound. The certain sin, the, 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 the sin, the besetting sin in their life, just, and it's apparent to everyone. Everyone around them can see this person. They, they are so stinking selfish. This person. They, they're, they're just a dishonest person. They just... Don't, they're not a truthful person, this person. And everyone sees it, except you. And Jesus is right there. The help is right there. But you don't even ask. You want to live your life with your anger, with your bitterness, with your undisciplined life, with, with being lazy, with being a liar, you, you have this spiritual deformity, and so you're so used to it that when the answer to your problem is just right there, you don't even ask for it. And here's the truth. You can't help yourself. She wasn't able to fix herself. She could in no wise lift up herself. Let's run a few verses if you wouldn't mind. Keep her place there in Luke 13. That's our text for 
This evening, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, if you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. After Psalms, you have Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Here's what I've learned. Most people are crooked. Most people have a besetting sin. Paul talked about running the race that is set before us. He said, laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, we're all sinners. Everybody here is a sinner. We understand that. But here's what I've learned. Most people have a besetting sin, that one sin you've been living with for 18 years. It's been crippling you for 18 years. In fact, you've been living with it so long, you don't even see it in the mirror. You say, what is it? I don't, it might be different things for different people. For some people, it's literally a drug. For other people, the sins of the heart, bitterness, anger, pride, covetousness. But it's a sin that because it's only spiritual, you can go on with the facade of your life as if everything's okay. But I'm here to tell you something that Jesus saw and Jesus sees in you what everyone saw in this woman. The physical binding was a manifestation of a spiritual problem that she could not fix on her own. Ecclesiastes 1, are you there? Look at verse 14. Notice what the writer of Ecclesiastes said. He said, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Verse 15, that which is crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Now, sometimes people look at this and they think, this is a contradiction in Scripture, because in the Bible, and I won't take the time to run all the verses, but in the Bible, you've got all these verses about the fact that Jesus can make the crooked uh, path straight, and that Jesus can make that which is not straight, uh, that which is crooked, He can make it straight. And here the Bible says that the crooked cannot be made straight. But you just need to understand what the, uh, uh, what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is that that which is crooked cannot be made straight on its own. You can't help and fix yourself. You've been trying for 18 years and you're still bound. 1 Corinthians, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have your place in Luke, you have John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. I just want to show you this verse in, in context of another verse. Or in reference to another verse, 1 Corinthians 10 3, Paul said, All things are lawful for me. That is a beautiful statement, and it's also a dangerous statement. This is a, a statement regarding salvation. Paul says, All things are lawful for me. And what he means by that is, I, I can do anything because my salvation is not dependent on that which I do. Which, if you take that statement, All things are lawful for me. As an argument for eternal security, hey, my salvation is not based off, is not dependent on the things that I do. All things are lawful for me. That's a beautiful thing. If you take that statement, all things are lawful for me, within the context of because I'm saved and I've got eternal security, I can do whatever I want. That's a sad statement. All things are lawful for me, Paul says, but all things are not expedient. Just because you can do something doesn't make it right. Just because you can do something and not lose your salvation does not mean it's the best thing for you. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Not everything helps you. I want you to notice that verse in reference to this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me. Notice what Paul says at the end of verse 12. He says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He said, look, I can do anything, but I'm not going to let anything just control me. I'm not going to let anything just bound me. I'm not going to let anything cripple me. And here's all I'm saying. If God would allow us tonight to open our eyes and see each other spiritually, we might start running from each other. If we could see spiritually, uh, uh, physically, a manifestation of what is happening in the heart of the average person, we might start screaming and yelling and running and thinking, what in the world if we could see physically in your life? What's happening in your heart? Because what we might see is somebody who's bound and crippled and disabled. And I don't mean that in a rude way, and I hope you understand my heart. I'm just telling you that what we see in the story is a woman that had a physical manifestation of a spiritual problem. And here's the truth. Most people are just, they're just crooked. You look at people and you think to yourself, like, man, you're just a dishonest person. Man, you're just, a, you're just lazy. I mean, like, and, and you can tell them, like, hey, you're lazy. Stop being lazy. Preach about lazy. They're like, that's oh, a great sermon on lazy. And I was like, well, you're lazy. And you try to tell them and teach them, like, look, th- th- these things, this is not right. This is not good. This is not okay. You say, what have you learned? Here's what I've learned. Most people are crooked and most people cannot help themselves. She was bound, and she could not unbind herself. She'd lived this way for 18 years, and she'd gotten used to it. This was just the way her life was. And for some of you, your deceitfulness, your drugs, your prescription drugs, your selfishness, your self-love, your greed, your pride, your covetousness, your bitterness, your unforgiveness, your anger, all these things. This is just a way of life for you that you, dare, you don't even notice anymore. You dare not even look in the mirror and acknowledge it anymore. It's just the way you are. So we see the woman bound physically. Jesus in the same room. The opposite of the woman we saw this morning, she was pressing through the crowd, trying to get to Jesus. This woman's just, this is my life. This is how I lived. But I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, not only do we see the woman, but we see, of course, the Savior. In Luke 13 and verse 12, the Bible tells us this. Notice that Jesus reached out to her. In verse 12, the Bible says, and when Jesus saw her. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to write this down. First, he sought her. He saw her and he sought her. Aren't you thankful for that? Luke 19 and verse 10, you can turn there if you'd like, or there in Luke 13. Luke 19 and verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, this is true of everybody here. The reason that you and I are saved is because Jesus came to seek and to, and, and to save that which was lost. You don't have to turn to 1 John 4.19 if you want to jot this verse down. But 1 John 4.19 says this, We love Him because He first loved us. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. I always think it's funny when people say, I found Jesus. You didn't find anybody. Jesus wasn't lost. You were lost. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. 
We love Him because He first loved us. He saw us. He, 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 he saw her, the Bible says. But I want you to notice, not only did He see her, He also summoned her. Look, look at it. Luke, look, Luke 13, verse 12. And when Jesus saw her across the room, there she is. He's teaching. He's probably on some sort of a platform like I am right now, teaching maybe in an elevated way, looking at the crowd. He sees this woman bound for 18 years. He saw her, the Bible tells us. And then the Bible says, he called her. He called her to him. He saw her. He summoned her. I think it's interesting. I mean, here this woman... She's been bound for 18 years. We don't know how old she is. She's obviously has this disability. And Jesus says to her, hey, come over here. I mean, isn't that kind of rude? Wouldn't you think, like, no, Jesus, you go to her. She, look at her. She's disabled. He looks at the woman who's physically disabled and says, come over here. And he expects her to go. He sees her, he summons her, he called her. Notice, notice, and then he spoke to her. Look at verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. I realize that I sound like a broken record. I realize that you come here and you hear me preach, many of you, and I'm thankful for it, three times a week, and I try to preach different sermons, and we preach on different topics. I mean, we're going verse by verse through Luke. I feel like every sermon is, is, is different to the extent of what we're dealing with, but the themes that continually come up seem to be very similar. Go to John 17. You might think to yourself, like, I, just, I feel like pastor just says the same things over and over. I feel like Pastor says like the same like three things over and over. I feel like he just says like the same five things over and over. And sometimes, you know, I, I wanna, what I want to tell people is like, hey, once you get those, those five things down, we'll move on. The problem is you've been working on those five things for 18 years. Why is it that every time I come, I, kinda, I feel like I hear the same thing over and over? Here's why you feel like you hear the same thing. Because there's only one thing. There's only one message. And, 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 I, and I preach this and I say this and I realize that you don't believe me. And I realize that you just roll your eyes, sometimes just spiritually and sometimes physically. And you think like, ah, whatever, he's just up there doing what pastors do. But I'm here to tell you something. If you would... Spend time with Jesus. If you would go to him when he summons you, if you'd allow him to speak with you and commune with you. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And I'm just, I, I realize that I'm sure you think I'm lying to you, but I'm here to tell you, if you would just spend time, you say, how do I spend time with Jesus? Well, Jesus is the word. You got the word of God right here. If you would spend time in the Word, if you would read the Bible, if you would gain biblical knowledge, look, it's not complicated and it's not magic. It's not this hocus-pocus. If you would read the Bible, learn what the Bible says, and then actually act upon it. Yeah. 
Actually apply those principles to your life. Actually begin to live the way God tells you to live and do the things God tells you to do and think the way God tells you to think. I'm here to tell you something. Jesus would set you free. It would change your life. It would revolutionize your life. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. I just, there, there, there's no, there, there is no secret. I know some of you think that if I just go to church long enough, eventually it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is just going to take over. The Holy Spirit is not going to take over. We're not Calvinists. You say, why did he summon her? Because God expects you to come to him. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But you got to draw nigh first, crippled. You say, you expect me to come? Look at my condition. You expect me to come? He looked at the woman bound for 18 years. And he said, hey, come here. Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. He said, call upon me. I'll help you. I'll answer the prayer. I'll help you get through it. There is no magic bullet. It's just reading the Bible, learning what it says, and deciding every day to apply it to your life. Deciding every day, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm going to stop doing what God tells me to not do. I'm going to start thinking the way God wants me to think. And I'm going to start living as though it is God who is in charge of my life. And here's what I'm telling you. If you did that every day, every day, it would change your life. Amen. Jesus would look at you and say, thou art loosed. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center. You're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Psalm 119. Do me a favor. When you get there, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there. Because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Psalm 119, notice this word, wherewithal. You see the word wherewithal? It means from where? From what source? From where shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man get over a pornography addiction? How can a young man get over a, an alcohol addiction? How can a young man get over a, a just, just, just being a thief or being dishonest or, not, uh, or being lazy or just whatever character flaw? Because I'm here to tell you something, and I know this hurts your feelings, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. And there's something wrong with me. And there's something wrong with all of us. And you can live your life bound or you can be made free. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? There's no secret. There's no magic formula by taking heed thereto according to thy word. It, it just, you know, it amazes me because people, and, and I understand it, and I appreciate it, and, I, and I'm thankful for it, and I'm not saying this in, in, a, in a negative way, please understand it, but people will often look at my, 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 my family and my wife and I, and they'll say, man, your children are so well-behaved, and they're so respectful, and they're so nice, and I think to myself, your children could be the same. There's nothing special about my children. Other than the fact that they're my children, that makes them special to me. But if you just did what God told you to do, your kids could be the exact same way. You guys have such a wonderful marriage. My marriage is a mess. Well, it doesn't have to be. 
If you would read the Bible, learn what it says, and then apply it to your life daily. If you would read the Bible, learn what it says, and they wake up every day and say, I, even, I know I don't want to, I know I don't want to, nobody wants to, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do, I'm going to not do what God tells me not to do, and I'm going to think the way that God tells me to think, it would change your life. Amen. People would look at you and say, wow, you're a different person. They would take knowledge of you, and they would say that you have been with Jesus. Amen. He saw her, and he summoned her, and he spoke to her. He reached her, and then I want you to notice, he released her. Keep your finger there in Psalms. We're going to come back to it. Go to Luke 13. Luke 13 and verse 13. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Notice what she could not do for 18 years. He did through his word. Immediately she was made straight. And glorify God. Go back to Psalm, Psalm 125, if you would. Psalm 125. Psalm 125 and verse 4, the Bible says, Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. You see the word upright? Are you upright in your heart? Are you bound? To them that are upright in their hearts, verse 5, as for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel. Notice how the Bible differentiates between an upright heart and crooked ways. Go to Isaiah 42, if you would. Isaiah 42, you're there in Psalms. You go past Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah 42 and verse 16. Here's what my wife and I have learned over the last 12 years of ministry. We can't change you. I can't change you. If I could, I would. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I would. You know, I don't know, Pastor. I have a problem seeing where I'm crooked. Ask me after the service. Now, don't ask me a question you don't want the answer to. I, you know, I've learned one of the things... The most frustrating things about ministry is that you can't change people. You can't make anyone do anything. And one of the most frustrating things that my wife and I have had to do over the last 12 years of ministry is watch people get backslidden and quit on God. And realize that there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change you. You say, how do you deal with that? We just had to learn that people come and go. Look, that's just the reality of church life. People come and people go. Don't get too upset. You're happy. So and so quit. Yeah, well, you, have, have you been here long? People come and go. Often, I tell people, you know, we, we've, we have pastored here. I have pastored here, uh, and we've been uh, the pastor and pastor's wife of this church for 12 years. But to be honest with you, we feel like we've pastored like several different churches. Because people come and people go and people come and people go. I, we, I feel like I've pastored multiple churches. Don't ask me which one I like the best. But sometimes, I mean, so th this church feels a lot different than Verity Baptist Church four years ago. And three years before that. And two years before that. 
I'm just, I'm just what, what I've learned is that I can't, I can't help you. I can't do it. I can't uh, do any. I can't pray over you. I can't anoint you with it. I can't make you do anything. Only Jesus can. And you've got to come to Jesus and let him do it. I can't change you. Only Christ can. And until you allow him to, there's nothing we can do but watch and pray and reach out and ask how you're doing. But you're going to have to make the choice to let God change you. And it's not God reforming you. It's God turning you into a different person. Because there's something wrong with the person you are. Isaiah 42 and verse 16. He says, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them. This is the Lord speaking and forsake them not. What I've learned is that I can't change you. What I've learned is, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm to the point in my ministry where I just think to myself, people ask me, you know, biblical questions and biblical advice, and, and my wife and I do the best to do, to give biblical advice, but I'll just be honest. Can I just be honest with you? After 12 years, I kind of just need therapy, if that's okay. <laughs> I've just gotten to the point where I, I, people ask me biblical questions, biblical advice, biblical counsel. I tell them, well, here's what the Bible says, here's what the Bible says you're supposed to do, and then they walk out the door, and I think to myself, 99.9 of people are going to not do what, I, what the Bible says to do. They're just not. I mean, this is amazing to me. I tell people, like, do X, Y, and Z. And, and then the report comes back, and it's like A, B, and C. And it's like, what? And I mean, it's funny. It's hilarious in the sense of, like, you, you actually did the exact opposite of what I told you to do. I told you to go there, and you went over there. I told you to say this, and you said that. And here's what I've realized. What I've realized is that crooked people are crooked. You can't direct them. You can't tell them. God just has to transform them. Sometimes I want to tell people like, hey, I will give you the advice that you need. I will tell you exactly what the Bible says to do in this situation. But before we do that, let's take eight weeks of you reading the Bible for an hour. Let's take eight weeks of you fasting and praying. Let's get eight weeks of you actually confessing the faults and the sins in your life and repenting and getting right with God. Let's take eight weeks of you actually getting right with God. And then I'll tell you what to do. But here's the thing. By then, I won't need to tell you what to do. Because the problem is you're crooked. The problem is you're a liar. The problem is you're a thief. The problem is you show up late to work and you put on your time card a different time. The problem is that you're doing things and you're hiding it from your wife and hiding it from your husband and hiding it from your children. The problem is that you're a crooked person. That's the problem. And you can't be helped. I can't help you. And you can't help yourself. Only Jesus can. But he won't come to you. He summons you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Luke chapter 13. We saw the woman. We saw the Savior. Like you notice thirdly tonight, the devil. I want you to know something. 
This woman was not demon-possessed. Luke 13 and verse 16, And not, not this woman, this is Jesus responding, we're going to look at it here in a minute, but you've got the ruler of the synagogue throwing a fit about the fact that Jesus healed her and made her straight. Jesus responds, he says, I'm not this woman being the daughter of Abraham. Now that, that little phrase tells us there that this woman was, was one of the children of God. She was the daughter of Abraham. I, I believe this means she was saved. Obviously, this is before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is still under the old covenant. Jesus says, look, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, but he says, whom Satan hath bound. Look at verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. In verse 16, he said, And are not this woman being the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Please, please understand this. And I don't think Christians really get this, and I, I'll do my best to help you understand it. Just because you're not possessed, you say, I'm, I'm saved, I'm not possessed by the devil. Greater is he that is in me than he that is... Whatever. <laughs> Just because you're not possessed doesn't mean you're not oppressed. Just because he's not on the inside messing with you does not mean he's not on the outside binding you. And for all practicality, you're just as messed up. I'm not demon-possessed. Oh, but are you oppressed? Are you bound by Satan? Is the besetting sin, the yoke upon your life that you can't even see? The answer is right there, and you won't even ask for it. John 8. Luke, John. John 8. So what are the major takeaways of the sermon? Number one, you got problems. You think I'm kidding. The reason you have problems in your life is because you've got problems. And until you can acknowledge your own problems and deal with your own spiritual issues, nothing else can help you. Only Jesus can. John 8.30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my Word. You keep saying the same things over and over. Look, I'm just saying what Jesus said. Don't get mad at me because he keeps preaching about the two same sermons. Soul winning and read your Bible. Soul winning and do what the Bible says. Soul winning and do what the Bible says. Soul winning and do what the Bible says. And if you just did what the Bible says, we could stop preaching on soul winning. Because you'd be doing what the Bible says. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth. Don't miss it. Mr. Bound by Satan for 18 years, don't even see it. Mrs. Bound by Satan for 18 years, don't even see it. You're used to living that way. You can have Jesus in the same room with you. You won't even ask for the help because you don't even see the problem. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're not in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? That's what some of you are saying. There's nothing wrong with me. Here's the funny thing. Let me just go ahead and help you with this. If you're sitting in this room and I was like, you must be talking about my husband. Nothing wrong with me. You're the who I'm talking about. You're crazy. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? He shall be made free. 
Jesus answered them, Very verily say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Oh, do what I want. No, you won't. You'll do what Satan wants. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. You can live your life bound. Or Jesus can make you free. But you got to come to him. And there's no magic bullet. There's no secret recipe. We're not Catholics. I can't tell you, just pray four Hail Marys and three Our Fathers and everything will be fine. It doesn't work that way. You say, how do I, how do I uh, change my problems? Well, here's the thing. You're the problem. How do I change my problems? Change you. You're the problem. You want to change your problems? Change you. Say, how do I change myself? Here's how you do it. Tomorrow morning, you open up your Bible. And not just tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Thursday morning and Friday morning and Saturday morning and Sunday morning and every morning for the rest of your life, you open up your Bible. And you read it. And you don't read it so you can check off some list somewhere that you read it. You read it so you can actually learn what God is trying to tell you. You bow your head before you pray and you say, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You say, Lord, will you, I'm going to look into the perfect law of liberty, this mirror. Would you allow me to see myself clearly? Would you allow me to see what my problems and my issues, would you allow me, would you speak to my heart and show me what you want me to do, what you want me to stop doing, how you want me to think, and how you want me to stop thinking? Will you show me the attitude that you want me to do? And then you decide, I'm going to try to do that today. I'm going to try to live the way that God wants me to live. And you do that Monday, and you do that Tuesday, and you do that Wednesday, and you do it for one week, and you do it for two weeks, and then you know what? You get to 12 years of ministry, and you say, how did I get here? You didn't get here. Jesus did. Or you can come and go. Because they all come and go. And the sad part is that I love many of you, but many of you will not be here 12 years from now. In fact, some of you are so on your way out now that you won't even be here next year. Enjoy your mug. It's the last one you're probably going to (laughs) get. Because there's no secret formula. He already saw you. And he summons you. And if you come, he'll speak to you, and he'll mold you, and he'll change you. And your problems will begin to go away, not because your problems go away, but because you go away. And you become a new person. And they'll say, man, last time I saw you, you you seemed different. I've been with Jesus. Go back to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Let's just finish the story up real quickly. We see the humiliation of the enemy. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. This is what what we're about to see is what you call passive-aggressive actions. This guy wants to say something to Jesus, but he doesn't have the guts to say it to Jesus, so he just says it to everyone. And, you know, like when you, those messages you put out on Facebook about pastor, you don't say him to pastor. You're like, I just wish the pastors would. And the, you, I thought you weren't on Facebook. Uh, the Holy Spirit told me. <laughs> and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, I just wish pastors would. When you got a pastor, idiots. 
That's what this guy says. There are six days in which men ought to work, and in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. I just think it's so ridiculous what this guy is saying, because he's like, there are six days in which man can work, and you come get healed on those six days. I want to ask this guy, how many people exactly are getting healed in your synagogue? He said, you healed on the wrong day, Jesus. Don't you know you're supposed to heal on the six days? Do you, like, you normally have people getting healed on the sixth day? And the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath, here's the key word, lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? Jesus says, don't, don't you have animals that are bound? And on the Sabbath day, because they have to drink water, you unloose them, you unbind them, and you let them get water. Don't you do that? And not, not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. Notice the humiliation of the enemy. But I'd like you to notice also the celebration of the people. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So here's the question I have for you. If we were to physically see, your spiritual condition, what would we see? Because it's easy to judge this woman. Because her physical problem was a manifestation of her spiritual condition. And it's easy for us to get away with our issues because we get all dressed up and look nice for church. Here's how Jesus said it to the Pharisees. He said, he said outside you're white as sepulchers, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. If we could physically see your spiritual condition, what would we see? Would we see you bound? Would we see you crippled spiritually? And what are you going to do about it? Jesus is right there. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm Jesus. I'm saying he, he's right there. Will you ask? He's, he calls you. He summons you. Will you come? Will you go to him, commune with him, speak with him, and let him turn you into a different person? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, I pray that none of us would be so arrogant to walk out of this room saying, I don't have any problems. We all have areas we can work on. And you literally have the answer to all our problems. But our problems are not our problem. Our problem is us. I need to become a different man. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be transformed into the image of your dear son every day as we spend time with him, as we walk with him, as we read his word, 
as we fellowship with him, as we apply these principles into our lives, we actually try to live these things out. I pray, Lord, you'd help us that those sins, those attitudes that have bound us for years would begin to disappear and that we might hear the same words that this woman heard. Thou art loosed. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.